Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. The following podcast is a member of the Great Big Owl family. Hello there, and welcome to It's an S-Pod Thing the podcast revisiting every episode of S Club 7's insane TV show. I'm Sophie Davis and joining me on this journey from Miami to Spain will be a range of guests who may or may not have seen the show before. Either way, we're going to analyse it in more detail than anyone ever asked for. If you're an S Club fan like me and remember watching the show, hopefully this podcast will bring it all back to you. So today we're talking about the final episode of Miami 7 and since it's the series finale and it's basically about the band leaving Miami, I thought it would be quite weird to get a completely new guest on. Um, so I'm joined again by Sarah Summeray. Hello. Hello. Yes, I'm back for more. Couldn't keep away. You couldn't, you couldn't stay away. You, you needed to find out what happened. <laughs> Yes. And I think at the end of our last chat, I said that I was definitely going to watch the whole series, which I did not do. (laughs) But having seen this episode, which is essentially a flashback episode, isn't it? Yeah. Um, I can see that I've missed out on a lot of great stuff. Yeah. I thought because you were here for episode two, you've seen them arrive at the hotel settle in a little bit in Miami I thought you kind of know what's going on to a certain extent I think with this show it's impossible to completely understand what's yeah, going even on even if you've seen every episode several times I don't think you're ever really gonna know what's going on yeah I thought rather than just throwing a newbie in on this final episode that would be a bit weird so you've come back very kindly <laughs> well, uh, so this is Miami 7 episode 13 it's called Reprise, and it aired on CBBC on the 1st of July, 1999. And it starts off with the band all sleeping, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And as the camera kind of pans over each person, we just get a few little shots of them in the series doing various things. A few weird choices, like there's Bradley with like buried in the sand, um, a Tina wearing a massive hat, which is also in the opening titles. <laughs> they clearly like that one. Wonderful supercut of Howard, the sort of bad guy boss, just losing his absolute shit with his very deep, husky, high blood pressured voice. Which is yeah, exactly. <sighs> yeah, there's a lot of clips in this episode. It's kind of like a clip show, I guess. At the time you know, we were watching this, well, some of us were watching this every week and you, would we have recorded it at the time? Was that something people did? I can't remember now that I think about it because I guess most people wouldn't have... Were we on DVDs by that point? Were people still recording? No, I don't, I don't think so. I think it would have been VHS, but... um... Would anyone bother to record? (laughs) Yeah, because that's kind of what clip shows are for, really, because you couldn't just 
watch the DVD at the time. It was basically to be like, oh, look back at all this stuff that's happened in the series and you can go, oh, I forgot about that bit. To be fair, it's very cheap to film as well. Yeah, exactly. You don't need to do much, do you? Yeah, they don't go very far in this episode. It's just at the hotel and then at another hotel Mm. and the clips in between. Mm -hmm. So um, everyone's asleep apart from Rachel. She is sort of awake and she's talking into the video camera to give us a bit of exposition. She's saying that tomorrow is the band's last day in Miami before they go back to England. And she wakes all of the other girls up and the boys come into the room as well for some reason And they're all kind of like, oh, it's so weird. I can't believe we've been here for so long. And we actually find out at this point they've been here for three months because it's never really been clear up until now. They could have been in Miami for a month or a year. Mm -hmm. Like it was impossible to tell, but we actually find out at this point that it's been three months. They seem to be well settled and ready to go back. Um, Hannah mentions that there's one specific thing she really misses. And you're thinking, is it your family, probably, or your mates? No, clouds. Really misses clouds. (laughs) And what I love even more is her reasoning for that, is that they make interesting shapes. Yeah, and she says something about, I'm fed up of seeing a clear blue sky. (laughs) Really? I I was really quite angry listening to that. Yeah, in a previous episode as well, Hannah was quite sort of, she didn't want to say that she missed her family. And it's weird because at the very beginning in episode one, Hannah's massive family came and kind of waved her off at the airport. And she doesn't seem to miss them at all. A few episodes ago, she was like, um, oh, I I quite miss my dog, I suppose. And now in this episode, she says she's been missing clouds (laughs) rather than her actual family. Could she be a psychopath? Psychopaths do have a tendency. Potentially. She can communicate with animals. Yeah. So I was going to say, after reading um, John Ronson's psychopath test, (laughs) one thing I learned from that is that they do have a tendency to create quite a bond with dogs just because they're so loyal and obviously don't Mm -hmm. care about humans, which sounds very much like Hannah. Yeah, they're all talking about going back. Bradley says he doesn't really want to go back to England. And Joe goes, there can't be any girls left in Florida. You you ain't chatted up. (laughs) And he goes, there's about six and I'm going to find them. Heads out, realises it's probably about 5am. Yeah. He's going to pick up any of the right kind of girls at that time. Yeah, he's like, oh, maybe I should wait till it gets a bit lighter. Yeah. I would have liked some clips here in the episode of Bradley just sort of harassing women throughout the series, but unfortunately we don't get that. Yeah, um, it's sort of implied. You do get the sense that there's a lot of that going on. Yeah, I might put some clips together and insert it here in the podcast of Bradley (laughs) just being sort of a little bit pervy throughout the entire series. Like he's just gagging for it all the time. But he he was also like the hot one so he could you know it's terrible and to say it but he um he could kind of get away with it couldn't he that's the thing I don't want to get all yeah about it but it's kind of you know like oh so if you're hot you can kind of get away with doing that sort of stuff but yeah yeah and he's got a sort of cheekiness about him like it doesn't seem kind of um yeah not sort of leery Brad do you know the way you're always meeting girls and stuff Mm. well How'd you do it? How'd I do it? I don't know, it just sort of happens. Yeah, about 20 times a week. Yeah, I know, that's good, isn't it? Yeah, it must be. <laughs> what a love puff! What a cuticle! She's 
dick. Your Honor, say, what are you doing after the trial? Because I know this little restaurant is... Whoa! Did she leave her assistant's phone number in there somewhere? Bradley! Plus better food. Your holidays. A car to the shop. And all the home phone numbers are your chambermaids. And you get rid of that appalling statue. Yeah, I know. But the trick with girls is to treat them like buses. Yeah. If you miss one, another one will be along in a minute. And so we get our first lot of proper clips where basically someone mentions Howard. And then, as you said before, we get all these clips of Howard just kicking off in various scenarios kind of shouting at the band and ordering them around um does did this a selection of clips say anything to you could you figure out anything that was going on no i don't know what was going on at any point (laughs) and then after those um after those clips of howard shouting joe says oh but we have had some good times in spite of howard and then we get some more clips of them doing stuff on the beach. Yeah. Sort of having them, a laugh. There's like an airplane scene where they're dancing around a cabin, which of course couldn't do now. This was pre-9-11. Couldn't get away with that now. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah, a lot of good times that they, they've had in their, what, three months? Yeah, yeah. And um, then we see Marvin telling Howard that their takings are up again and it must be because of the band. Apparently the hotel is breaking even for the first time in years. So Howard kind of wants them to stay for longer because of this. And he takes a look at the contract and is like, this is crazy. Who drafted this? And Marvin's like, you did. Lovely. Lovely bit of scripting there. (laughs) Yeah, this is a fun, this is quite a fun scene. Marvin suggests that after the band leaves, he could entertain the guests by doing some magic. And Howard is like, Please, the last time you tried that, the doves got cooked in the light grid. Grim. They've got great chemistry between them, though, haven't they? Yeah. I quite like this bit now where Marvin says, oh, you know, the band could be famous one day. And Howard kind of sees dollar signs at this point and is like, yeah, yeah I could turn this place into a shrine like Graceland or Beetle Pool in England. <laughs> Did have a little giggle at that. And he's like, oh, we could even get into the music business. Yeah, and he's got a very sort of savvy scheme, hasn't he, that we, we're not aware of at this point, but that comes on comes up later in the episode. Yeah, and I quite like this exchange where Howard says, oh, I'd like to see my name in lights. And Marvin goes, me too. And Howard goes, smaller lights, lower down. <laughs> Actually missed that line. That's really good. That's genuinely quite good. Yeah, that was quite sharp, I thought. Um, So Howard calls the band's manager, Danny Parsons, who I don't think we've seen since episode two, when you were last here. I can't even Um, have seen him then, it was that long ago. Yeah, he hasn't been a very effective manager for the band. He was in episode one, sending them off to Miami. And then he was briefly in episode two, when I think they were kind of calling him and complaining, basically, like, why have you sent us here? Mm-hmm. And then we haven't really seen him since. I don't know if they've had any communication with him at all. So you can kind of see where Howard's coming from here. He doesn't think that Danny Parsons is a good manager for the band anymore. And his big scheme is that he wants to be their manager instead, isn't it? To be fair, Howard probably would make a better manager, thinking about it. At least he's there for them. Sure, he abuses them physically, emotionally, (laughs) but at least he's there. Yeah, at least they speak to him on a daily basis. Yeah. And Howard wants to go through some really kind of obscure sections of the band's contract. 
And I like how Danny Parsons is at first looking through the contract with a magnifying glass. And then he gets out a microscope because he's obviously looking at some kind of tiny text. I thought that was quite a strong joke. Very strong. Yeah, really enjoyed that. And apparently there's some kind of clause which says that as of this date, all contracts involving the band are null and void for some reason. I'm not sure why that would have been put in there. Yeah, so hang on. So when was this contract written up? Was it pre the band arriving to Miami? I guess so. Right, so he's already planning on holding them hostage. Yeah, maybe. It's a strange little sort of get-out clause. Let's not overthink it. It's Miami (laughs) 7. Yeah, exactly. So because this clause basically means that Danny Parsons now has no control over the band anymore. So bye, Danny. See ya. So that's them now. We we think they're stuck now in Miami forever with Howard. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I like how throughout that whole scene, he's kind of sitting in his office with, sorry, Danny Parsons is sitting in his office with a sort of really nonplussed clown sitting opposite yes. him. And then just wax him at the end. What are you laughing at or something? <laughs> I want a spin-off series about that talent agency. Yeah, and more specifically about that clown. I think I think he deserves it. It was a yeah, guy. Why is he it? so I sad? Don't know, I, don't <laughs> I think it was a guy. Maybe he's sad because he's seeing his agent and he's just speaking to another client instead on the phone. Yeah. It also sort of gives a bad name to agents. I think it's a bit unfair. Yeah, because there's a whole scene later, isn't there, where they're kind of saying, why would you be our manager? You're ruthless, you're scheming. And Howard's like, yeah, that makes me perfect. Yeah. I'd love to be described as ruthless. That's a compliment. (laughs) Do you identify with Howard in this scenario? I wouldn't go that far. (laughs) I'm more of a Marvin kind of gal. So we then see the band getting into a limo for an unknown reason. Yes. And Rachel Rachel goes, are we sure this isn't a fantasy sequence? Yeah. Getting quite meta there. And Bradley says he's charged it to Howard. Um, Again, we've no idea why they're getting into a limo. We don't. Also, I always overthink things like that, like where he says I've charged it to Howard. I always start overthinking things like that. Like, he's going to get into trouble for this. Is it legal? I don't know where this is going to end up. And then I realised that I just need to move on. (laughs) Yeah, this is the kind of detail we need on this podcast. (laughs) It's not normal. (laughs) And we get a song in the limo while they're just sort of driving around Miami. Uh, The song is Gonna Change the World. And it's mostly sung by John and Bradley, which is a bit different. Is that one of their songs? Because I'd never heard that before. And it is good. Yeah, it's an album track. So it wasn't a single. And uh, John is in kind of full musical theatre mode here. Like he's really looking very sincere, sort of wide-eyed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It does feel like a very 90s music video moment. Yeah, it's quite cheesy the way it's shot, isn't it? Like there's all these shots of people walking around Miami. At one point, a woman sort of turns and smiles at the camera in slow motion. It sort of looks like, you know, those karaoke videos that were all filmed in like 2000. And (laughs) it's just the random scenes around the city that make absolutely no sense. Just like 
uh, a homeless person talking to a pigeon or something <laughs> with the lyrics, with like Adele lyrics going over it. Sort of had that sort of vibe. Yeah, and the the song is very kind of like, the message is like, hey guys, can't we all just be friends? Yeah. After you've just insulted Howard. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> because um, there's a line in the song that goes just before he's gonna hit you you can always try a smile oh oh <laughs> so okay. it's very like stop the violence guys let's just all get along in the world that's yeah i feel like i need to look into those lyrics what was going on there <laughs> but yeah like you said it's very kind of chill compared to the band's whole vibe the rest of the time <laughs> Yeah, so it's it's sort of you feel like oh, okay, everything's coming to an end, everything's slowing mm-hmm. down. Start to feel a bit sad that it's over. Yeah, so they go on this limo ride. They arrive at some sort of hotel. Uh, John says it's one of the poshest hotels in South Beach. Yeah, I googled it, and uh, yeah, the hotel's still there, five stars. Looks lovely. Oh, it's actually a good hotel, is it? Yeah, it looks really nice already planning my holiday i haven't got any further on finding the hotel that they're actually working in oh yeah uh, well you need to find out because we're gonna go there and what we're gonna we're gonna recreate the series won't we between us do like a fan tour (laughs) yeah because they 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 go to walk into this posh hotel but this guy stops them and is like you can't come in here and yeah, immediately contradicting the very chill song that they've just done. The band just starts screaming at him and kicking off, like, you have to let us in. It was very unnecessary, that scene. Yeah. <laughs> they get, they're very quick to anger. Yeah. And Jill Ward, aka Alien Hunter from episode eight, shows up because it turns out they're meeting her for lunch. So you said that she, yeah, appears in one other episode, which I didn't watch, but I was aware that you said she does appear once before, so she isn't just a random woman that appears out of nowhere. Yeah, I thought I'd give you a little bit of context that, although it doesn't really help because she has quite a strange relationship in the ba- with the band because she was in episode eight. Basically, she's the star of a TV show mm-hmm. that was being filmed at the, the hotel and the band working as extras in the show. Uh, But yeah, when she first, basically John is supposed to be a fan of her and he goes up to her on the set and she's initially quite sort of dismissive of him, like she's not really very friendly. And then completely out of nowhere, at the end of the episode, she is suddenly like best friends with the band and it's not really clear why. Well, they've got a charm. And it's and it's Miami Seven. There doesn't need to be a reason for anything. Yeah, and in this episode, they're best friends still. They've met up with her for lunch. She asks them, well, she's kind of like, it's all right, Alfonso, they're with me. And this guy, Alfonso, lets them in because they're with this celebrity, Jill Ward. And Rachel, again, is like, are we sure this isn't a fantasy sequence? <laughs> Loves that line. You do get the sense that the doorman maybe hasn't had that much acting work so he's sort of putting everything into those 15 seconds of him saying you cannot come in maybe a little bit too passionate i didn't look him up actually i um i often look up these people on imdb neither did i so i'm sorry if he's actually a huge actor i just don't know (laughs) i do apologize probably not most of the actors who pop up in this series are 
not really working anymore. Oh, that is sad. <laughs> bleak. <laughs> Very bleak. So they sit down to lunch with Jill and she asks what they've been up to. And John kind of ignores the question and goes, I remember when we first met you. And Tina goes, and I got lost and does a, a massive eye roll. And this is another thing I want clips of in the episode. I want really strange line deliveries from Tina. I want a selection of clips of that because there's been there's a lot of them. plenty of that. I mean, it's just like the best series in the known universe. No, it's not. It's pop. It's so badly acted. It makes the Teletubbies look like the Royal Shakespeare Company. What are you trying to do? Get into the Guinness Book of Records? I beg your pardon? Why agree to go out with Paul if you're going to rotest the lips of the entire male population of Southern Florida? Well, I mean, I'm not sure. I need a band who will turn up on time and sing what they're told to. As opposed to us, he'll just go in and trash the place. Oh, no! What's up, Paul? I've lost my passport. OK, don't panic, Paul. Calm down. Stop being a plum. Anyone want to do lunch? No, thanks, Howard. I've got my dad coming from England to take me to dinner tonight. Your dad? Oh, will he need a room? Remember, half a percent discount for family members. Tempting as it sounds, he's just in Florida for a couple of hours between planes. Yeah, what am I? A choreographer or a combine harvester? If you want the gig, then you'll wear the costumes. So we get a load of clips from that Alien Hunter episode, kind of showing how they met Jill. And then after that, Jill randomly says to them, oh, but how did you get here in the first place? It's, it's very like standard. <laughs> how do we get into these clips? Exactly. She's there essentially to give them a reason to look back on the series isn't she yeah they might as well just be going remember that time when we did this but yeah they've got jill involved to sort of um make it flow a little bit better mm -hmm. but yeah she asks them how did you get here and then we get a few clips from episode one with the band being told that they're going to miami and then traveling there and arriving at the hotel for the first time and jill goes so it sounds like that Howard's been a bit of a pain. And Rachel says, he's a monster, which is a bit extreme. Well, he, if he's bad on screen, think how bad he is behind closed doors. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I guess, I guess so. Because we get a little montage now of the band sort of working around the hotel, yeah. scrubbing, cleaning, Howard kind of berating them. And we get a little glimpse of the uh, tie a yellow ribbon performance. Which, yeah, that was episode two that I saw, beautiful stuff. There's also a scene, there's a flashback scene too, um, which I haven't seen this in, in another episode, where they knock down a statue of Howard yeah, They were demolishing statues of bad guys before it was cool. Yeah, because there are clips of them getting revenge on Howard. And yeah, one of them is them destroying a statue of him. Yeah, they were giving it as good as they were getting it. <laughs> yeah, and there's also the time they drove past him when his car was broken down at the side of the road. And yeah. the time they won a volleyball match where he bet against them. You know, I feel like there's a twist here. He's the good guy. Yeah, they it's they, again they've got a weird relationship with Howard as well because there was one particular episode where he basically lost them in a card game and so they had to go and work at another hotel in Miami which was worse 
And in that episode, they were very much like, oh, we miss Howard so much. Mm. He's so nice in comparison. And then as soon as they went back to Howard, that was just completely out of the window. Like it never happened. <laughs> it didn't give them any perspective. Yeah, I really thought there's a sort of real love-hate relationship between them. And I'd love to see mm -hmm. more, but, you know, this is the last episode. They, they do their goodbyes. It's actually quite upsetting. Yeah, it is a shame that there's three more series and this is the end of Howard and Marvin. They just don't come back. I wonder why they decided on that. So do we not see them at all, no? In, in no, the... they head off to LA and then that's, that's it, really. It. Oh, no special appearances. No, they could. yeah, they could have had a cameo. They could have come yeah. and visited the band, but I'm pretty sure that doesn't happen as far as I'm aware. Mm -hmm. but Jill then says to them did any of you fall in love or anything and so we get a load of clips of them sort of getting off with people throughout the series and I've, I've decided to rank these romances okay. so <laughs> <Let's hear it. laughs> Rachel so Rachel and Joe aren't in the clips because Rachel has this boyfriend back she's in England yeah, and we've never met him. She just brings him up every now and then. And the band are always like, oh, stop talking about your boyfriend. It's boring. It is boring, uh, to be honest. <laughs> and Joe also initially had a boyfriend in England, but then he came to visit her in Miami and she dumped him. Mm. Uh, and then she never had any other storyline involving a boy. She doesn't deserve it after that. Jeez. <laughs> yeah, it was quite brutal. He travelled all the way to Miami to just be immediately dumped oh wow what a bitch in my ranking at the very bottom of the list we have uh tina and a dolphin trainer who we see her dancing with for about five seconds in the episode so how deep is your love trainer yeah i did hear a dolphin <laughs> and that's an episode i'm gonna have to watch it might as well, because, yeah, Tina deserved better. She didn't really get any romantic plots in this series. It was just this five-second bit of her dancing with this guy. She deserved more than that. Like I said before, Tina was my favourite. Seems like a lovely girl. Really pretty. She deserved more than that, than five seconds of a dolphin trainer. So next, I've got John and this woman called Tanya, who he really, really fancied in the episode Volleyball. Uh, they went on a date completely off screen and apparently it went really well, but then she was never mentioned in the series again. Was she a volleyball player? No, she was watching them play volleyball oh. and John got injured during the game and went and sat next to her, but he, he kind of already had his eye on her before then. Right. And the band were kind of speculating, oh, maybe he's injured himself deliberately so he can go sit next to her. Yeah. Oldest trick in the book. But yeah, at the end of the episode, he's like, oh, the date went so well. And then and she's it. never mentioned again. They're just a bunch again. of players, aren't they? <laughs> next, I've got... Hannah and this lifeguard that she has a fling with in the episode Missing, uh, they have quite an intense fling over the course of a day or two, but we never get to learn his name. In the credits, he is just called Lifeguard. <laughs> well, in the flashback, it did seem like quite a deep, intense relationship. So I'm surprised by that. Yeah, this was when they went to work at this other hotel and... 
it was weird because we kind of never really got to grips with how far away this hotel actually was because sometimes it seemed like it was just down the road and sometimes it was like miles away because at the end of the episode Hannah was getting really emotional about leaving this guy like she was never going to see him ever again yeah you can tell they just haven't thought about this sort of stuff have they (laughs) she suggested that they could write to each other and he was like no I'm an all or nothing kind of guy yeah no I can get on board with that I I agree with that but yeah he never he never earned a name even in the credits okay the next one is Paul and Janine, the dolphin trainer. They did not have a good relationship. They basically went two, on a... Two dolphin yeah. trainer relationships. Yeah, same right. episode. Same episode, okay. Uh, yeah, the main plot is the Paul and Janine plot. And then literally at the end, Tina is dancing with some guy. And that's worthy of being in these clips, apparently. Innocent love. Yeah. Let's not forget this was made for kids. They don't want to go they don't want to take it too far, do they? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Paul and Janine did not have a good relationship. They basically went on one date and Paul was quite annoyed to find out that she was also getting off with other men, including Bradley. <laughs> oh. So did that tear them apart? No, of course. The woman was entirely to blame. <laughs> Naturally, she always is. Paul and Bradley didn't even speak to each other about it. It was entirely Janine's fault, apparently. Janine, Janine, Janine. But the reason I've ranked this quite high is because she is, she's a bit mad and she has more character than basically all of the other love interests put together. So that's why I've put this quite high. She earned herself a name. Yeah, deserves to be above lifeguard. So I haven't experienced any of these relationships, but... If I were to rank them, I think I would rank them just as you did. Yeah, and then the last one, number one, is Bradley and Catherine in the episode Bermuda Triangle, where the band went back in time to the 1970s via the Bermuda Triangle, and Bradley got off with Howard's sort of girlfriend at the time in the 70s. So So this, yeah, I see this in the flashback. I assumed that it wasn't actually the 70s, that it was more like a 70s party because you really do get the sense that they're all sort of Smithy's wigs and... Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) It's it's not that genuine, is it? Yeah, Bradley's got like a massive afro, hasn't he? And it is very much like a sort of costume party. Yeah, but it's meant to be the 70s. Yeah, they go out in a boat... They go through some fog, which is apparently the Bermuda Triangle, and they wake up on the boat dressed in these clothes in the 70s. And yeah, Bradley, in a sort of weird, I guess, sort of back to the future moment, seduces Howard's girlfriend. Oh, God, yeah. Well, yeah, that's, yeah. But yeah, I've ranked this top because they did have some genuine sort of chemistry together and also it was quite sad because she really wanted him to kind of stay and he was like no no I have to go back he didn't tell her that she that he was going back to the 90s but um yeah he was kind of like I have to go now and they had a bit of a kiss it was quite sad oh that's beautiful yeah Mm. I felt more about that one so so that's Howard's girlfriend but Howard never finds out about this I presume yeah, the timeline is a bit iffy because I don't know how <laughs> I don't know how their activities in the past affected the present. Again, not worth overthinking. Because Howard didn't know about any of this. 
yeah, in the future, Howard isn't like, hey, this band coming to work at my hotel, look at look exactly like those guys I met when I was in, yeah. in high school in the 70s. <laughs> so following on from that conversation about romance, Joe then suddenly goes, and then there was all that business with the alligator. <laughs> like, this is how conversations work. <laughs> And we get all these clips from the episode Alligator where John decided to try and set free Howard's pet alligator. Um, <laughs> Never trust a man with a pet alligator. Yeah, and it's called Clint as well. And they basically led him into a van via some tubes, drove him away to a swamp and dumped him there. And then by the time they got back to the hotel, the alligator was already back there. And like he'd beaten them back to the hotel and was just in his pen. <laughs> he was a homing alligator, wasn't he? Yeah. <laughs> oh, I hope he was treated well. It was the 90s. I don't think animals were treated very well on, on set in the 90s. Yeah, I doubt it. It's hard to tell with alligators, really. They're quite kind of stoic. Yeah, they don't really show you in the face, do they? Feeling. I just love that image that, that he the idea that he managed to travel faster than them driving back to the hotel. Alligators can run very fast. Yeah, Clint obviously can. And this does kind of follow on because Hannah goes, and I made some great dolphin friends, sticking to the, the animal theme, and we get clips of Hannah having this telepathic connection to a dolphin. Yeah. So was she did Hannah? No, Hannah didn't have a relationship with the dolphin trainer. She had the relationship with the lifeguard, didn't she? Yeah. Could that have been a cover up for her actually having a relationship with the dolphin? Who knows? She was very close with this dolphin. And it was weird yes. because it was never really established whether she had a genuine telepathic connection or whether she was kind of just faking it because <laughs> the dolphin was telling her valuable information that she couldn't have otherwise known. Wow, what kind of information was this? I can't remember now, but like, oh yeah, it was like where people were. Like she was thinking, oh, I wonder where Tina is. And the dolphin would be like telling her. Oh, yeah, she could take that on Britain's Got Talent. That'd be amazing. I know. I wonder if this continues, this idea in future series. Like can, can Hannah just communicate with animals? That's a good idea for a spin-off. Although she couldn't communicate with Clint. Uh, might only be might only be certain certain kind of animals. Yeah, because like we were saying before, we don't know if Clint was happy about how he was being treated. So it would have been helpful if she could have communicated with Clint. Yeah, yeah, that would have been quite useful. But you know, you you can't force that ability. It could have saved them a lot of bother. <laughs> it's a, it's a, yeah, you know. And <laughs> Tina then goes. And then something really weird happened. And I love the implication that nothing mentioned so far has been weird. <laughs> She's like, and then something weird happened. And yeah, th these are all the clips from the Bermuda Triangle episode, which, like you said, out of context, just looks like they're having a kind of 70s party for someone's dad's birthday. Yeah. But yeah, they went back to the 70s and they performed Dancing Queen about a year before Dancing Queen was actually released. <laughs> it was the continuity. I love how, they, how would the writers... I can't remember the name of the guy that wrote the show. How would he know that all these years later, you'd be analysing it this much? <laughs> Just really putting him to shame. Yeah. Really shame Kim him Fuller. Up. I'm coming Kim for him. Fuller. Yeah. 
so yeah, we've had this big run of different clips now and the band are like, oh, you know, we have had an amazing time, but career wise, we're still in the same place really, aren't we? And we see a few different little clips of them performing at the hotel throughout the series. Now, when songs appear in this series, it isn't always in the context of them performing on stage. Like sometimes they're just kind of walking around and they burst into song. So I've got another list. These are my best songs. Yeah. Well, these are my four kind of weirdest settings for a song. Right. So limo has got to be in there. <laughs> yeah. Well, that would be five, actually. Yeah. I've written down four, but yeah, that would be the fifth one. Number four is we've already mentioned it really, on a very sort of average-looking cramped plane. Yep. Where they're trying to dance, but it's just, there's no space, but they're trying to do their best. Very stress-inducing, that scene. Yeah. Yeah, if I was a passenger, I would not have tolerated that. (laughs) No, you could not get away with that. Number three, when the girls have taken Howard clothes shopping while the boys are trying to lure his alligator into a van. We get a song in that scenario. Are the boys singing with the alligator or is it the girls that break into song? The girls are singing and then when it's like Bradley's bit of the song, it's just kind of playing in the background and Bradley's not actually singing like in the context of the show. But yeah, the girls are singing in this shop and they're just sort of strutting around in the shop like it's really cool. <laughs> but it just looks like Debenhams or something. <laughs> Probably was. Like in the sort of shirt CNA. aisle strutting down. Yes, CNA. Wow. <laughs> so okay. number two, in court, when the judge <laughs> asks them to provide legal proof that they're a band. Oh yeah, you see this in the flashback. Fucking <laughs> nuts. <laughs> yeah they're in court because the immigration service comes to inspect the hotel and obviously they're all from the uk and it gets quite technical it gets into how they've all got entertainment visas and so that means they shouldn't be actually working in the hotel they should just be performing so they get into trouble howard gets into trouble they have to go to court and John gives quite a a convoluted argument for why they're innocent. And the judge is basically like, how do I know you're a band? And then they sort of whip (laughs) out a a CD player. (laughs) Because I was assuming the reason they burst into song is because they've been let off and they're just really excited. And that's how they want to celebrate. (laughs) There's a setup in that, yeah, the judge is like, well, anyone could say that they're a band. How do I know you're not lying to me? And then they're like, S Club. <laughs> which, I, which I think is how everyone should have to give evidence in court. You know? That would make it way more entertaining. I did not murder her. Yeah, and all the people watching the trial are up on their feet like, yeah, this is the best trial I've ever been to. And right. I'd be doing the same. <laughs> and... Number one, (laughs) when Tina is trapped inside an alien costume in a shopping centre after having fallen asleep in the back of a van and people are paying to have photos taken with her in this costume. There's a lot to take in. So she's singing? um, What other people singing It's kind of over the top. Okay. But... Yeah, it's one of those ones where the song has literally nothing to do with anything that's happening. (laughs) 
Tina has fallen asleep in the back of a van in an alien costume, woken up in a shopping centre, and then people just passing by are like, hey, can we have a photo taken with you? Because she's dressed as an alien. And she's also adding another layer to it. She's got a helmet on and the helmet is stuck shut so she can't speak. God, sounds like a nightmare. So other people are singing around her <laughs> while she's trapped inside her helmet? Is that what you're telling me? Yeah. Like it does sound like some kind of weird dream. I don't like the sound of that. <laughs> but yeah, I think that is the weirdest setup for a song. So is that your number one? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's... that is So <laughs> this is the point where Jill suggests that they should stay in the US a bit longer. And yeah, what did you think of Jill's accent, by the way? Because she's not Northern in real life, and this is a really strong accent. Well, weirdly, as as a voiceover, I should be better at accents and better at recognising accents because hers sounded pretty good to me. I didn't really right. yeah, think too much about it. So where is she from? She's English, oh. but not from the North. But um, okay. at this point, she's like, um, oh, you should go to LA, see what happens. <laughs> Actually, now that, yeah, now that you're doing it, I remember it, it is a little bit over the top, yeah. <laughs> She's kind of telling them, oh, you need to grab opportunities. She says, one minute I was popping burgers in a bun, the next moment I was zapping aliens with a death ray. It's a bit insulting to people that pop burgers in buns, but okay. Yep. And I like that progression. Like, she must have just been spotted in Burger King yeah. one day. Like, you should star in a TV show about hunting aliens. Oh, there was probably more to it. She just doesn't have the time to tell us. <laughs> I'm guessing. And we go to Howard then, and he's kind of preparing to ask the band if he can be their new manager, isn't he? He certainly is. Yeah. And he, he seems quite nervous about it as well, doesn't he? doesn't really know how he's going to... Um, bring yeah, he seems quite invested in it. Yeah. Like he genuinely wants to to do this. Yeah, but yeah, it's just kind of slipped into the last few minutes of the episode. Like we could, we've got a bit of tension here. The band walk up to him and he calls them by their actual names for the, for first, the first time, time in their series. Yeah, because right. usually he has all these nicknames for them, like Tall Kid and Short Kid Catchy. and stuff like that. But yeah, they walk up to him and he's like, hey, Joe, Bradley, Tina, etc. And they're all immediately suspicious, <laughs> obviously. And he's like, hey, we're buddies. And they're all like, what do you want? <laughs> and to be fair, he his whole idea, his reasoning for becoming their manager is that he just wants to make more money, obviously. Mm -hmm. But then we yeah. realise that actually he's got a bit of a soft side, doesn't he? Yeah, and because they do kind of consider it for a few seconds, don't they? They have a bit of a huddle, um, but it doesn't really take that long. They kind of turn around and are like, no. In unison, no. Yeah, no way, which is what I would have said. But then they're packing up their car to leave and we get quite a sweet moment, don't we? Because Marvin says he's going to miss them and they say they'll miss him too. Marvin's sweet. I like Marvin. Yeah, I love him. And they do their little huddle again. And that lightning bolt runs through them. That weird <laughs> lightning bolt. Which Yeah, and this <laughs> does not come up that often as well. It's so bizarre. And then Marvin says, oh, I think that means we've just joined the S Club 7, which isn't a great message to send to kids. <laughs> Stick your fingers in some sockets and you'll get to join a pop band. 
Yeah. It's really awkward the way they do it as well, isn't it? Because they walk up to Howard and Marvin and they just start sort of shaking their hands around. So like, awkward. What, what are they trying to do? Each other. Yeah, and we get this kind of like 90s special effect running through the hands. <laughs> and yeah, this, because yeah, this came up in the episode you did previously, didn't it? This yeah. hands thing. It's only been in like two or three okay. episodes. Right, so it didn't come up that often. And there's no real explanation of it this is sort of <laughs> no marvin saying this means we've joined the band is sort of the only explanation of it I, but it's <laughs> like why does it happen i think it's just supposed to suggest that they're connected that they're magic. maybe they all had to do some kind of ritual to join the band when they first started it oh god it's like some sort of cult yeah but yeah, because it, it came up in the episode you did and then I kind of forgot about it and it came up in episode seven when they're playing volleyball. <laughs> like they had a sort of team huddle and then they did this hand thing again and I was like, oh yeah, I'd forgotten about that. <laughs> and then I don't think it's happened again since since episode seven and we're now on episode 13. How strange. So... <laughs> I don't know who thought maybe the intention was that it was going to come up more often and then there wasn't really much they call had no for budget. It. They had no budget for the bolt. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they spend it all on that one effect. Yeah, yeah it's weird because, but it's quite sweet the way he's like, hey, I think we just joined the S Club 7 and Howard and Marvin do a little high five, don't they? Yeah, it kind of warms your heart. And Howard kind of has a last attempt to get them to stay as well because he's like, you can't be serious. What is there in England for anybody? And he says, the cold, the rain, the clatter of the horses on the cobbles. And if you ask Hannah, the clouds. <laughs> I love this image Howard's got of England. <laughs> yeah. Very, very dated image. And Howard is like, well, you can't leave us because, and they're all like, because of what? Your profits? And John goes, mm. because of your annual turnover. <laughs> Calm down, John. Getting a bit technical for a children's show. <laughs> Starting young. And Howard's like, no, because we're going to miss you. And they get quite teary, don't they? And Joe, Joe is like, oh, bless them. Uh, Joe's quite soft in this episode. She doesn't really get much to do. That's another thing I'd like clips of is Joe throughout the series being unnecessarily aggressive. <laughs> Because she's been like that pretty much throughout the whole series. And then in this episode, she's not really been given much to do apart from go, oh, bless him. Because there's no real reasons for her to lose her shit. <laughs> yeah, I wonder why she's so angry. This wine thing at the end of the week, it won't organise itself, you know. Oh, what, the Luwa? Yeah, I think you'll find it's pronounced Luau. Yeah, but it's spelled Luwa-Ua. But it's spoken Luau. It's the Hawaiian pronunciation. Yeah. Yeah, you get in there and give Howard a piece of my mind. Well, can you spell that much? Oh, that's very cute, Brad. Coming from someone who's trouble spelling IQ, what is this? A skirt. Surely you've seen one of these before. Yeah, last time I went clothes shopping at a farmyard. I'm not wearing a skirt made out of straw. There's a bra made out of coconuts, too. Fantastic. Every time Rachel dances, it's going to sound like a stampede. Come on, I haven't got all day. Maybe we should put the frighteners on him. What? Yeah, turn the screw, send the boys around, show him who's boss. But he's boss. Yeah. Still, it's a nice thought. Oh, so do we have to call you sir now? Or do you prefer the slightly less formal muffin? What are we waiting for? Come on, let's move it. And just to satisfy my curiosity, why are you supervising? Joe, I'm wearing heels. Oh, what, are they surgically attached? Like, are they, like, a part of your body? No. Well, would you like them to be? 
Yeah, see you later, you pompous git. What did you just call me? Great leader. Only I use the Hawaiian pronunciation. I guess they're all feeling emotional, aren't they? <laughs> yeah, I was. And Howard tells them that he loves them. And Howard is kind of reluctantly like, yeah, what he said, we love you. It's quite <laughs> sweet. It's really sweet. It's really sweet. It's a lovely little ending. Mm-hmm. And the band but it's drive the off. End. Yeah. Yeah. Howard and Marvin wave them off. And while they're driving, I like how they haven't just had this conversation yet about where they're actually going. Yeah. And also, again, me and my overthinking. How? Okay. So they're all in that car. Where the hell is their luggage? Where, you know, they've know, been there yeah. for three months. Where's all their stuff? That stressed me out. And they don't know where they're going, like you said. Yeah. And they're always joking about how, like, oh, Rachel's got loads of makeup and Bradley's got loads of CDs. And it's like, well, where are they? Exactly. Where are they? Yeah. Seven people in the one car. So then they just go. While they're so they're having this conversation about, oh, so I guess we're going to the airport then. And John's quite miffed and he's like, oh, are we not going to stay in America? It's like, again, why are you having this conversation now? <laughs> like, left it till the very last minute. Last minute, yeah. Guys, you should have worked this out earlier. Yeah. Because they reach a like a T junction, don't they? With a really specific sign. <laughs> That's so weird. We were just having the conversation about, do we go to the airport <laughs> or do we go to LA? And weirdly, we've just reached these signs that only give us those two options. Yeah. And one side says three miles to the airport. <laughs> Again, just the airport. Yeah. <laughs> and the other way says 2,453 miles to LA, <laughs> which is a lot. I looked this up and the drive from Miami to LA is like, like a good few days like it takes a long time god and they're doing this in this little car with no luggage and yeah they again they don't want to really give this any discussion they just go right we've got three seconds to decide but i guess it's kind of up to rachel really because she's the one driving so i don't know because they're not all controlling the wheel together so it's basically like rachel you've got to decide yeah they don't have a conversation about it yeah, and also she's the one who's got the boyfriend back in the UK as well, but he's clearly gone out of the window now. She's <laughs> like, ah, well, let's go to LA. They go, right. They've got a career to build. Yeah, exactly. So they go on to LA, and that Miami is too. the end of Miami 7. And what a series, even though I haven't seen it. You've seen enough. I've, seen, <laughs> I've absolutely seen enough. And um, so we get a flavour of it. To be honest, LA7, I was just having a quick look at the Wikipedia page, and their new manager is Linda Blair from The Exorcist, which I would not have expected. I know, it's mad. Well, she's, um, she's their landlady. Oh, landlady, yeah. that's it. Yeah. 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 I don't, I'm not sure if they have a manager in LA. I think they might get one, but I don't think so he's rogue. in it that much. But yeah, Linda Blair is a proper wow. recurring character in series two. Lovely stuff. <laughs> it's mad. So any kind of last thoughts on this episode? Obviously, it was very confusing because it's all these flashbacks and stuff. But yeah, any last thoughts? Yeah, like I say, I... There was a lot, obviously, that I didn't understand because um, I hadn't seen the episodes and probably wouldn't have understood anyway. But um, <laughs> it was it it was good fun, really good fun. It was a good series. You don't get shows like this anymore. 
yeah is that a good thing or a bad thing um no comment (laughs) but yeah I get what you mean it was very much like yeah just do whatever you want just go to America make a series for about five pound and we'll just air it (laughs) yeah the days where you didn't have to do more than one draft of your script so yeah and it's a kids show but we'll put in jokes about rachel's boobs sure why not like i say start them young that sounds wrong (laughs) so uh people listening to this should already know you from episode two but um where can people find you online um you can find me on twitter at summer ray r-a-y not r-a-e because i think that's porn star and um (laughs) my art instagram which is at this is fun art so we're going to the airport then yes are we not going to hang around in america to see what happens no so we're not going to go on a big adventure where anything could happen and we might even become famous um guess not so we lose just when we started to win So what's it going to be then? LA or the UK? We've got three seconds to decide. Three, two, one. Thank you for listening to this episode of It's an S-Pod Thing. It was edited by Alex Blondek with music by William Kitchener. If you enjoyed the podcast and want to let us know that we're your number one, please subscribe and leave us a good review. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.